welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today we're joined by Michael Levitt, who's the Chief Burnout Officer and founder of the Breakfast Leadership Network, accomplished speaker and also author of a new book, which is called Burnout Proof. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? I am great. Looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me, me too. It'll be a really interesting one because today we're going to be talking about, I suppose, the phenomena that's hit us over the last 12 months in the whole pandemic piece, working from home, um, what that might look like moving forward, how you separate w- work life from home life and all the challenges that I'm sure everybody listening has experienced, certainly in the last 12 months. So it, it's, it feels like it's been around forever. But actually, yeah, is is a twelve to eighteen month phenomenon that's hit the world, and we've all had to adapt to. But before we jump into that detail, Michael, and you share your experiences and thoughts, let's just find out a bit more about you. So, uh, how have you got to being a chief burnout officer? I have to say, it's the it's the first time we've had that job title on the the podcast, so it'd be good to understand a bit more about that. And how did you get to uh, to being there? Well, I appreciate uh, your time today. And yeah, the chief burnout officer, uh, it was definitely a journey to get to that title. Uh, I originally worked in public accounting and then went into IT and then stumbled into healthcare uh, back in 2007. And that role uh, led me to uh, my burned out uh, state uh, a couple years later, where over a period of a year, I had a heart attack that should have killed me. I lost my job during the Great Recession in the U.S. My family car was repossessed, and then finally my home was foreclosed all in a year. And all of those things happened because I was extremely burned out. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't doing the right things, making lots of mistakes, a variety of different things. And it all came to a crashing halt. And thankfully, I survived all of that and and recognized that the way that I was living life and going about work and everything else wasn't working. Uh, it just wasn't sustainable. Uh, so I decided I need to take a deep, hard look at my life and, and what I was doing and how I lived my life and uh, turn things around and went back into healthcare. My parents wanted to have me committed, by the way, for doing that. Uh, but I knew that I was going to be able to do the job differently, and I did. And I was excelling at the role. Uh, but then I started noticing a lot of my colleagues, not only in the healthcare sector, but in a variety of different sectors, were burning out. And I didn't want anybody to go through what I had experienced. So I started doing a little bit more research on burnout, what it was, what it looked like, what were the signs and how to prevent it, and started sharing some of those things and then recognized, okay, this is something that I have a bit of passion about and, of course, you know, personal experience. So I decided, okay, let's let's do something. Let's, let's see if there's a business here. And launched my business. Uh, and things have taken off from there. And you left the healthcare industry in 2018 and have been full, full-time into this work. And uh, absolutely love it. I, I do say, though, I wish that this job didn't exist of chief burnout officer because I don't like seeing people burn out. But unfortunately, and especially with this pandemic and working from home, uh, we're seeing a lot of people burning out. It's an, an amazing story to get there and yeah clearly lots of personal experience and uh, comes from the heart so yeah look, looking forward to what you can educate us with today in terms of the whole working from home phenomena. So clearly we've had to adapt if we think back 12 months maybe even a bit further um, the world was a different place and it's as we record today hopefully easing out of all these lockdowns and waves three and four of of the coronavirus 
and people have had to adapt to working from home at some at very short notice maybe with not the right equipment or space or um previous experience of being that discipline of working from home so how have you seen people adapt and what experiences what conversations have you had with people about how they've adapted to it and and maybe some of the challenges that get in the way well i've seen a variety of different experiences i've seen some people that are absolutely thriving in it this is perfect for them and they really don't want to go back to an office type setting ever again Uh, And depending on what organization they're with, that may be a possibility. There are some organizations that we've seen in the news said that we're going to stay 100% remote or mostly remote uh, here on out. We will see if that actually plays out. I I think organizations were a little quick to say we're going to stay remote forever uh, because uh, it it may not make sense for them. Where other organizations, it's difficult. Uh, to have people working remotely, but they've been able to do it. Uh, so the cat's been out of the bag when it comes to that. So some people uh, really love the remote work. There are some people that have been really struggling with it, not only from a social isolation uh, and being able to collaborate with their coworkers and see people and have lunch with them in a cafeteria. And you know, we all used to make fun and pick, you know, pick fun of the food in the cafeteria or food courts or whatnot. And there's now many of us can't wait to be able to do that again. Uh, And there's some other people that have had a lot of challenges if they're parents because they've been working from home and their kids are home as well. And they're responsible for making sure that their kids are participating in online courses and doing their schoolwork which unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, coincides with the hours that many of us work. So what's happened is people have had to extend their work day. Uh, NordVPN did a study in 2020 that indicated Americans, and across the globe the stats are are pretty similar, uh, but Americans were working 20% more hours since the pandemic. So we were already working longer days. Let's add a couple extra hours a day to that mix and that's not sustainable and it causes some very stressful periods of time and prolonged stress is what turns into burnout. And there must be other things as well. Cause I mean, I, I work from home a lot. My wife works from home. So you've got there's children, potentially there's partners working from home. Um, pets has been a big thing as well. I don't know if you've seen it in America, but certainly in the UK in the last 12 months, people have gone mad for puppies because uh, they've been at home and they've been at home with their dog. And now there's this, there's this big outturn of dogs that have got anxiety when their um, the owners leave to go physically out to work, or actually the owners are now realizing that they, it's not sustainable because that whole working from home piece was a false economy and there's nobody to look after the dog when they're now out. So that, there's other things as well, isn't there, I suppose that could impact this. Oh, definitely. I, as a dog owner, it's definitely something that's top of mind. Now, I typically work remotely, and we've had our dog since he was a puppy, and uh, my better half uh, is a former dog trainer. So she knows the the techniques on how to minimize the anxiety uh, with you know leaving, uh, because she does work out of the house, and what we do is we uh, call it our exit fee that our dog demands an exit fee in order for us to leave so we give them a small piece of dehydrated chicken you know dog treat type of thing when we leave so he knows when we're leaving 
he's not anxious about us leaving. He's excited that he's going to be getting a treat. Um, and, you know, that may not work with some dogs, but uh, with ours, it did because we did it from the very early stage because her previous dogs that she had um, had anxiety of leaving. Even when she went uh, to do laundry in the apartment building, the dog would absolutely cry and moan and whine and wail. And it's like, she's just going to do laundry. It's all right. Don't worry about it. But it's it's definitely a concern of mine as a pet owner that I think a lot of people that adopted uh, pets uh, during this pandemic uh, may elect to not keep them. So there's going to be uh, quite a spike in uh, pets that are you know being dropped off at the shelter or somewhere else. So uh, it, it, it's always a concern of mine because I, I hate to see pets uh, go through you know those types of challenges. But you're you're spot on. I think um, there's going to be a lot of animals that are going to have a difficult time with this because mom, dad, and brother and sister have always been home, and all of a sudden, in a few months, they won't be, and they're not going to know how to react. So it's going to be a difficult, difficult time for those those animals as well. Yeah, a sad byproduct, I think. But back, back to kind of some of the train that you were talking about before, you talked around, on average, people are working two hours more um, a day. So how do you separate that whole work life versus home life when it's really difficult to turn off the laptop or to shut away the the door from the office if you're lucky to have one some people are working on kind of the end of end of kitchen worktops or at dining tables how do you or what's a good practice in terms of that whole separation piece yeah the key thing is you have to end your work day um when we were going into the office or if we worked somewhere else uh, some of us may have punched out and had a time clock most of us i don't think do that anymore uh, some industries still do it, but many don't. But we, we kind of miss out on that in a way because that was a physical and visual cue that your workday was done. Uh, my dad uh, used to work in the auto industry, and he worked on the assembly line. Uh, and towards the end of his career, he drove a forklift to deliver engines to the assembly line for the cars and all of that. I never saw a forklift in our driveway when he came home. He left it at work. Now, it's a lot harder with technology, smartphones, laptops. We can work anywhere, and that's a great thing. But a nasty side effect of that is we can work anywhere. And unfortunately, we're not really good of establishing boundaries around when we work and when we don't. So it's easy to fire up the laptop. We connect right to whatever we need to do to our work. And we've obviously been doing that with working from home, so we have access to everything. What's happened is we haven't said, end of work day, I'm going home. Well, you're already home. And it, it's, there's conveniences of it, uh, you know, and you know this, as somebody that works uh, from home. Um, if you don't have an office and you do have a, a set space, you have to set an alarm to end your work day. And, and be consistent with it. Uh, don't have it be all over the map because you won't get into the habit of having a ritual of, okay, my workday has ended. Now I'm going to do this and then this. And sometimes with overactive or um, micromanaging employers, uh, sometimes that can be difficult because you might get a message, text message or email or something like that at all hours, day and night of work. And much like those little red circles on all the apps on our smartphones, we think, oh, we have to respond to that. Uh, No, you don't. Uh, but again, this is something you need to communicate with your employer 
and establish boundaries and, and come to an, an agreement uh, saying, look, I don't work at one o'clock in the morning. I can't. I, I need to be rested. I need to sleep in order for me to be able to do the best job for you in this company. If you're expecting me 24 seven, um, need to update the CV because we're humans. We can't operate that way. And we need to have conversations with employers and employers need to realize that by burning out your employees, um, you're not doing your company any favors. You're going to have inferior products and services and your customers are going to clue into that eventually. And they're going to go somewhere else because your quality is not going to be good because your employees are just too fatigued and wiped out. Yeah, it's interesting. And just circling back on two points there, I'm I'm seeing a lot more on emails that I get sent from people with a kind of note on the bottom in italics that says, um, just because it's convenient for me to send the email at this time doesn't mean I'm expecting a response straight away from you. So there's obviously a growing acknowledgement of if I'm happy to send an email at nine o'clock at night, then that's good for me. Might fit my work day, might have started later, whatever. But actually, I'm really pushing the point that I don't expect you once you've seen the uh, red notification symbol come up or your phone's pinged or laptop to respond straight away. So I'm seeing, I don't know if you do, our growing acknowledgement that just because I'm sending it doesn't necessarily mean I'm waiting for an instant response. Yeah, that's perfect. And as our world gets smaller, you know, we work with people all across the globe you know, where I, I could be typing an email at three o'clock in the afternoon and that could be nine or 10 in the UK, depending on time zones and daylight savings time and all that other fun stuff, or it could be completely on the other side of the world in New Zealand or Australia. I'm not expecting somebody to respond to the email at you know one o'clock in the morning. Um, so I, I take that into consideration. Um, but I do like that that signature. And I think that's something that I'll, I'll add to mine as well, because I think it's important for people to know just because you get a message doesn't mean I need an instant response. If I, and this is where communication and clarity needs to come into play as a boss, you know, I, I made it clear to employees, like I'm not going to send you an email after 5 PM or on the weekends, unless it's urgent truly urgent and here's what a definition of urgent is uh, that the building is not accessible or um, it's not safe to come into our office or there's an issue with our, one of our networks and you can't access this those types of things you get very finite on what urgent is never say emergency and i hear companies all the time say well you know th these are emergencies and i remind them there's only one place on the planet or one type of institution that has emergency on the outside of their building, and that's a hospital. So unless you work in the emergency department in a hospital, quit using the word emergency. You can say urgent, crucial, priority. Don't use emergency. Uh, now, maybe that's just me because I worked in healthcare for over a decade, but it's not an emergency. It's a big deal, sure. Problematic, yes. You want to avoid problems down the road if, if something doesn't get addressed but it, most times it's not life or death so uh you know change your vernacular accordingly yeah makes sense to me makes sense to me and the, the other point i was just going to get your opinion on was so travel we we've heard lots about well you know i'm not traveling an hour into the office and out of the office so i can can do more work 
which, which is honourable. But was that travel time ever paid by the employer? So was it really work time? It was a necessity, mm-hmm. but surely it should it should mould into the social time, not the work time. Yeah, it's a lost opportunity that many people did not take advantage of. Um, they that those two hours plus a day were originally commute times because the average commute time for you know U.S. and I know other parts of the world is the same. You know, can be up to an hour each way, which is appalling. Which is why a lot of people were so thrilled to be able to work remotely; they didn't have to deal with the transit issue or commutes and all of that. But you know, people didn't take that time to say, okay, what am I going to do with this extra hour? Well, you know, they, they dive right into work. And instead of, you know, maybe I'm going to do a little bit more activity because, you know, many of us, you know, you know have not been as active as we were before uh, with the pandemic. If you're sitting around home all the time, unless you have an exercise regime that you have used, you know, there's many of us that are putting on a little bit of extra weight, and it is a side note, and I, I always throw this in if it comes up, is if there's a chance that you are going to be going back to your office place to work in the foreseeable future, you and you haven't been wearing your work clothes in over a year, I suggest you try them on because there's a distinct possibility they will not fit. And you don't want Monday morning to roll around and you realize that your slacks or your skirt or your dress or your top or your dress shirt, they don't fit. And it's Monday morning. A lot of places aren't open to sell clothes on Monday morning. So unless your workplace changed their um, work attire policy to t-shirts and sweatpants, you're going to have an issue. So side note, go, go put those clothes on right now and see if they fit. If they don't, then you've got a choice. One, start getting active and lose some of that extra weight that you've put on or order some clothes that will fit for you because there's a good chance that many of us are going to be going back to the office at some point and you don't want to go in there you know, wearing clothes that don't match what everybody else is wearing. No, that's a good thought. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people dashing to the uh, the wardrobe now to check. So with with that kind of note, of at some point people will be going back to the office then what are your predictions for the next six to 12 months do you think we'll get companies you know such as twitter and i think google who said they're never going to open the office again will they start to reverse those decisions will we all gradually mutate back in for me there's that whole and again you touched on it right at the start of this conversation piece around human contact having a coffee or having something in the kind of work canteen that that that's the bit you can't replicate for me through Zoom, Google, Hangouts, whatever um, team. So where, where do you see the next six to 12 months heading? And will those companies that have said we're never opening an office, will they stick to that or will it come full circle? I think it, and my hope and my expectation is it'll probably be a bit of a hybrid situation. I think the smart employees and smart employers uh, will have communication around this to what makes sense for them. Uh, again, there's a lot of people that will be completely thrilled to never go into an office again. They'll work remotely. They can come in from time to time in you know, some type of office rental type of situation where the entire team is brought in for a day of doing things, uh, and they'll be fine with that. There are other people that you know can't wait to go back into the office, and they want to. Uh, they, you know, they might live in a very small apartment or... 
you know, not have all the amenities at home that they have where they used to work downtown. So they, they miss the camaraderie and they're going to want to go in. Uh, and, you know, a lot of organizations are looking at phasing it in saying, okay, we're going to start with one day a week or two days a week, maybe three days a week uh, and, and see how things go. Because there's a lot of trauma associated with this pandemic. A lot of people don't recognize it, but this has been a traumatic experience for everyone. It's impacted us in different ways, of course, and that level of trauma is going to be interesting to watch because there are going to be people that are going to be downright scared to go back into an office that they have not set foot in in over a year for a variety of reasons. They might be afraid of catching COVID. They may be socially awkward and going, I haven't seen these people in over a year. And I'm not sure how this works. And it's going to feel awkward. A lot of us are going to feel like it's our first day of a new job, even though we may have worked for this organization for years. It's going to feel like it's our first day. And it's going to be a bit of a stressor for people. So understand that. And and hopefully organizations will recognize that as well and say, we're going to ease things in and go just a little bit here and there. But I to go back to your original question regarding companies like Twitter and Facebook that is, and you know Google and all of that, I'm already seeing in some instances that they're they're revisiting that. And when they made the comment, I thought, quite frankly, it was a little bit premature for them to do it. Um, I understand why they did it because for many organizations, the cost savings of not renting a downtown office somewhere, whether it's in New York, L.A., London, you know, Berlin, wherever. That's expensive. That's a lot of money that they could utilize for other things. But on the flip side, there it, it's going to be interesting to see how they all go. I mean, some organizations are going to be you know, looking at it as this is a huge cost savings. We're going to continue doing this, and we'll we'll evolve. You know, they may rent a smaller space where people pop in from time to time and have kind of a hoteling type of situation where okay, you're working at this desk today, um, and it's going to be antiseptic as far as a desk. You won't have any pictures of your dog or your loved ones or anything like that. It's just going to be a workspace and you're going to go in and you're going to do your work and all that, which again, some people are completely fine with that. Some people like, you know, when I'm working during the day, like looking at a picture of, of my partner or my cat or my dog. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. I think there's going to be potential for some um, additional stressors as we return to work, uh, wherever work happens to be. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by what it's going to look like over the next couple years anyway, as we're starting to see in certain parts of the world uh, a returning of things. I know New York is going to be doing some stuff in parts of California as well. Uh, in the U.S., I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how things play out. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm interested to uh, be a... I'm an interested bystander observing in terms of where it pans out. And I think the, the other thing probably also to bring into the mix is cost. So people have had a good period of time without that travel cost and maybe spending that money on something else or have got used to having it, you know, maybe have bought some things with it or just their lifestyle's grown to that cost and all of a sudden they're going to have to find the, the cash to pay for travel again, whether that be petrol or tube or airfares or train fares so there's there's that to consider for people as well that have um maybe uh, forgotten that that was an outgoing 
some 12 or 18 months ago. Yes, and I know fuel cost, uh, especially in, in North America, and I'm guessing it's across the globe, have increased. So when we go to the you know the pump uh, to fuel our automobiles, uh, we're going to be paying more uh, than we did uh, prior to this pandemic uh, and uh, supply and demand and a variety of other things. So it's going to be uh, intriguing uh, to say the least, um, you know, from a you know, completely on, well, not necessarily unrelated, but a, a concern that just came to mind right now is as people start returning to work and, and traffic starts to build up again, uh, I'm hopeful that people are, you know, mindful of, you know, what they're doing when they're driving, because they may not have been driving as much over the last year and a bit. And there's definitely a chance for uh, more, you know, car accidents and things like that. So, you know, be mindful of what you're doing. Be, you know, be attentive to what you're doing at that moment in time. Um, easier said than done because our brain likes to fill our ideas with all kinds of different things. But uh, uh, that's definitely a, a side effect that I think could be a problem too, on top of the extra cost of, of commuting. Yeah, absolutely. And if the, this hybrid model, which I kind of agree with, is the way forward, from an employer's point of view, how are they? How do they need to change their thinking in terms of looking after employees? Because they might not be um, familiar with where colleagues are working from when they're at home. I suppose there's a whole thing about equipment and extra screens or chairs or desks. So there's there was a short-term um, piece of work that most organisations did to get people be able to work from home because of lockdown and the pandemic. But if that's a way of working for some parts of the week are there wider considerations they need to take into place or will people just be you know here's a phone here's a laptop up to you yeah ergonomics is a big thing and i'm guessing that a lot of people are going to be a bit out of alignment when it comes to work because instead of working at a desk that was ergonomically designed with your chair the keyboard tray monitor at the right level and all of that so many of us have been you know sitting at the you know the the dining room table or kitchen counter or couch or bed and definitely not ergonomic when it comes to working things. So I, I think a lot of people are going to have some potential shoulder and elbow and, and neck issues going through. So hopefully the benefits programs through your employer will address some therapy to get you back in alignment. But yeah, if you're going to be working more long-term or permanent, whatever permanent means, uh, at home, or at least for a few days a week, you're going to, even if in a small loft type of thing, you're going to have to carve out a corner where you work and have it be ergonomically correct. Hopefully your employer will, will pay for that. Um, if not, then it's, it's a worthwhile investment, uh, for you to make sure that you're not getting hurt uh, physically. Because as I tell people, last thing you want to do is get hurt, especially during a pandemic and have to go into the hospital because we need to save those hospital beds for you know people that are dealing with this pandemic and other ailments and not because you know we threw out our shoulder or have neck injury because we're not working properly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll pause there. I think the, there's some great... Uh, 
great things for the listeners to think about, some good tips you provided. Do you just want to tell us quickly about the new book, so Burnout Proof? Yeah, Burnout Proof. Uh, I wrote the book actually in 2019 and was going to release it early 2020, and then this pandemic hit, and I thought, well, I'm going to hold off on this for a little bit. And I'm glad I did because with the working from home burnout situation that uh, became front and center, I realized that I needed to add an additional chapter of the book to address uh, working from home burnout and some tips and techniques to avoid it. Uh, throughout the book uh, is you know quick quick tips that you can implement right away uh, that can help you alleviate your burnout. The deeper work, of course, is figuring out why you burned out in the first place, which is patterns, habits, behaviors, beliefs, and all of that. But the book is full of action items that you can implement right away uh, that can help you burn out proof your life. So thank you for, for allowing me to share that. No, you're more than welcome. A final question from me. So what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? Uh, the best business advice I was ever given was stay in your lane. And what he meant by that when he told me this was you know, figure out you know, what motivates you if you're going to, no matter what kind of work you do and do that and design your days around that. And if you start doing things that you don't enjoy, you try to delegate them or remove them from your tasks. If you're working for somebody and you're doing work that you don't enjoy, uh, even during a pandemic, uh, there are other opportunities out there. So look for them. Uh, but, you know, stay in your lane, figure out what makes you motivated and brings out the best of you in work and life and do that as much as you can. Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and having you on the podcast. We'll put a link on the show notes. So if people want to find you on LinkedIn and further the conversation, they can connect to you and, and have a chat, but really appreciate your time and thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.